Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Our current sermon series, Shining the Light, is celebrating 50 years of ministry at Mount Carmel Christian Church, looking back at everything that God has done through us and in us. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Didi Bacon. So today begins a very important message series for us at Mount Carmel Christian Church. July is the birthday month of the Mount Carmel Christian Church. And this July, July 2018, is 50 years of ministry. 50 years of ministry, pretty amazing. So is, there's, is 50 years golden? Golden? I know there's a modern one and a traditional one, because I think the, tr- the modern one is just another way to get the ladies their diamonds sooner. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> 50 years of ministry, the church first met July 7th, if you want to be really specific, I have records, July 7th, 1968, 50 years of service to the calling to be the light bearers, the light carriers to the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and what we do as a church is to let the light of Jesus shine through us to our community, and, and so this is 50 years of doing that. And so what we're doing is we're going to dedicate a Sunday to remember the things that happened in the past, if you'd like, for each decade. So for each Sunday, we'll be remembering a decade. And we're going to end on July 29th with a worship party. And it's just going to be a summary of everything we've done. And we're just going to celebrate not only what God has done through the faithfulness of his people here at Mount Carmel, but we're also going to be looking to the future because that's the first 50. And if the Lord returns, then we'll be excited. But we're anticipating another 50, and that other 50 is uh, the anticipation is going to be more of the same, of serving God and shining the light of Jesus to the world that, that he places us in, to our community on the east side of Cincinnati. Today is going to look at the first 10. We're going to look at the beginnings. We're going to look at the church story of Mount Carmel from 1968 to 1978, our foundational years. The years that we can say are our roots, uh, our beginnings, the start we're going to investigate the, the basic DNA of, of the folks that began this church. You know, there's something powerful about being reminded of your roots. There's something powerful of learning from where you came from, whether by story or, or nowadays you can go on to Ancestry.com or you can get your DNA tested and, and you can figure out your story, the people you came from and the nationalities and the places they came from. And when you do that, there's something powerful. There's something grounding in that. There's something significant in understanding where you came from, the story of the people you came from. Because remembering the past helps you not only appreciate the present, but it also kind of sets the trajectory for the future. Not too long ago, I was able to get myself a free subscription of Ancestry.com. And I'm such a cheapskate, I wasn't going to pay for it. So I think they gave you like a two-week free subscription. So every night I was up 
researching. And I couldn't find my family because guess what? My family doesn't come from, from USA. So I had to research Shannon's family. And I, I was a lot of late nights. I mean, matchsticks, holding up the eyes, researching people all the way back to the homeland, all the way back to Europe. And it's, it was fascinating. It was fascinating to see the lineage of my wife. It was an American story. People coming from, from, from Europe, from England and Ireland and Scotland. Immigrants coming over to the United States, seeking out a new life, seeking out a, a vision of a, of a better life than they had. Immigrants from, from Europe. And, and her mom's side was, was German and, and French. And it was fascinating to see the, the little nuances of the stories. Her people, a lot of her people came through Jamestown, that, that settlement in Jamestown, not the original. It was like Jamestown third generation. But it was pretty cool to see that, that the records show that they settled there for a while before they came into Kentucky. A lot of her people were, were involved in, in the Civil War. Her folks uh, fought on the side of the Union, and they lived in Kentucky, which was pretty interesting, pretty interesting. There were some interesting characters, like one of her ancestors called Devil Jim Turner, I'm like, oh, that explains a lot, honey. <laughs> there's, a, there's a box in our closet, and it has Morris family history, Shannon's family's history. And then there's another line under it that says, guns and Bibles. I'm like, that's about right, guns and Bibles. On a mom's side, it was pretty cool to see the, the story of German Im immigrants settling in Nebraska and how her, her, great, her grandfather on a mom's side was, was, was the descendant of Canadi French Canadian folks. Of course, I, I couldn't find anything on my people, but, you know, I have cousins, and one of my cousins particularly did a lot of research uh, in Australia, and, we, you know, my family history is, is, is just as is diverse European as, as an Americans, uh, although I'm an American now, but it's pretty cool to see. Uh, I have English, British. I have French from Brittany. Uh, you know, name Thatcher. You ever remember Maggie Thatcher? Well, that's the name that's, that I have, and uh, Thatcher was a, a sea captain that settled in a little island called Mauritius. In fact, his full name, and this, this will crack you up, his full name was Sackville Zacchaeus Thatcher. Sackville. So Didi's not a strange name, is it? My grandfather's side, my mom's side, was, uh, came from Brittany, and uh, the Britons have strange names. Her, their last name was Wex. And then you say, well, that's W-A-X. No, it's not. This is how you spell Wex. H-O-U-E-I-X. H-O-U-E-I-X. So can you imagine, uh, you know, with Mrs. Huixi, you know, come get her son, but interesting. On my biological father's side is German, Swiss, and Bulgarian. Uh, pretty cool story. Their family settled in Egypt. And they were uh, dealers of hardwood, teak, and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And they were connected to the royal family of Egypt and all that. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Where's the inheritance? Nothing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's powerful to go back and to see your family lineage and to hear the stories because it gives you a grounding. It gives you a grounding of, of appreciation of where you are and, 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 and who you are and where you've come from and, 
and, and helps you understand perhaps a little bit of where you're going to go. You know, I found it equally fascinating to be reminded of the family roots of our church, our church roots. And as I poured through the histories and listened to the testimonies 50 years, uh, you discover that the Mount Carmel story actually begins on a Sunday in January 1968. Six families who were living on Beachmont Drive got stuck because their cars wouldn't start because it was so cold, 14 below, something like that, I don't know. So the six families were stuck because they wanted to go, they went to church together at the Columbia Church of Christ down on Columbia Avenue in Cincinnati. They were stuck, they gathered together together to take communion and fellowship for church on Sunday in one of the houses of, of one of the six. And then that began a conversation about, you know what, why are we driving all the way to Columbia? Maybe, maybe we need a church right here and in our community, right in this place. And that conversation then was birthed into a vision that then took traction in action and, and took traction in bringing things together. And by the summer of 68, the six couples had talked to other couples and 60-odd people started a new church. They approached the minister. They asked the minister. It wasn't the minister's idea. They asked the minister to join him. His name was Donald Keene, and he was asked to serve the new congregation and with the help of a local Cincinnati church planting organization, they began what was then known as the Clough Heights Church of Christ. Clough Heights Church of Christ. Close to 70 people, mostly young families with children in their 20s, first met at the Glenesty Junior High School on July 7th, 1968, and there they are. There they are. In 1969, they brought in a new minister. His name was Richard Snell, and the church began to grow. And by the grace of God, they were provided an opportunity to provide land, purchase land on Mount Carmel Tabasco Road, five acres of what was then known as the Beheimer Farm. And they started to meet in the farmhouse when they purchased the property. After some significant sacrifice, they started to meet in that property on 4183 Mount Carmel Tabasco Road for a few years. In 1972, their minister Richard Snell moved to Nebraska, and after a period of interim preachers, they, a man named Eldon Howard came to be preacher of the young congregation. They built their first building, official church building, in 1973. Official groundbreaking, you can see, was April 8th, and there's the dudes that pulled the plow, that broke the ground. They look great. I love that tie. Anyway, and there's the building. It wasn't until 1977 that the name was changed from Clough Heights Church of Christ to the Mount Carmel Church of Christ. You know, I've been poring over these old documents and histories, and I uh, I can tell you, I am struck by a number of things. First of all, I'm struck by the fact that our church was not born out of the work of some superstar preacher or evangelist or missionary society. You know, our church was born out of an extraordinary vision from God that was a, taken and captured by ordinary folks, ordinary people, 
who simply loved Jesus. And these were young folks, young folks in the stage of life, in their 20s with young kids, in a stage of life that I remember my life being consumed by the three C's, right? The first C is your career. At that stage in life, you're beginning your career. You're in the beginning stages of rising up in your career. You're gaining in responsibility. You're gaining in, in, in traction and you're earning power, but you're not earning as much as you, you hope to be earning. Your career begins to take a lot of your time and attention at that stage in life. The other C is children. At that point in life, young children take a lot of your attention, take a lot of your energy. Why? Because they need it. They have to be fed, and they have to be diapered, and they have to be taken care of. And so at that stage in life, a lot of your time and your energy is devoted to your children. And the folks that started our church, that was no exception. They were devoted to their kids. In fact, that is why a lot of their motivation for church was there for their children. And the third C is cash, specifically lack of cash. I remember in our 20s, lack of cash was a big issue, living paycheck to paycheck. Raymond noodles and potatoes microwaved and beans. Living hard with the children trying to figure out, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make it? These folks were at a time in life when they were pinched for time, pinched for resources, but they weren't pinched for faith. And they definitely weren't pinched for courage. For courage. They gave themselves to start our church. They looked back with fondness of doing VBS for two weeks in their houses the first few years, of setting up church in the school of sacrificially giving to purchase the land, of putting their houses up as collateral to guarantee the loan. Can you think, of, just think about that. Four of these couples said to the bank, you can count our houses as collateral as guarantees in the loan. In other words, if we don't pay, you can take our houses. <laughs> See, they lived out their faith because they believed. They lived out their faith because they were taken. They were inspired by their faith, by their conviction that Jesus is the light of the world. They took from their heads to their hearts, to their hands, by faith, the words that, that Jesus spoke in John chapter 8, verse 12. They, they took it as true and lived it out. You see, when Jesus spoke again to the people, it says, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me with courage and faith, whoever follows me willing to sacrifice all, to give all, to give even if it's small and meager, to do what, what, whatever we can to fulfill the calling. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. They were inspired by this truth. And the reason why I can speak so authoritatively on this is because I've spoken to them. In fact, a number of years ago, I had one of the couples, one of the couples, the original six, come into my office at the old building, and we turned on the camera, and we said, tell us the story of Mount Carmel. Tell us the story. 
And we have that footage of Charlie and Shirley Henderson, one of the 20-something couple, 20-old something couples with their young children who were inspired by the belief that Jesus is the light of the world. And that inspiration began the reason why they started a church in our community that now we call the Mount Carmel Christian Church. And so I'm going to ask that you just take a moment to give your attention to their testimony on the screen. We started, we started in the Mount Carmel Church. Uh, it started, uh, the cars, it got down to 13 below zero. Now when was this, 1968? This is 1968. Uh, what day do you okay, remember? Okay, it was in January. January. In January, it started. It got so cold that all of our uh, cars. There was eight families on uh, Beachmont Drive that uh, went to Columbia. We were going down there, and uh, eight families. So we, that morning, when we couldn't get any of our cars started, we met in one of the other families' house. Do you remember who? Yeah, it was Tom Podorf. Was, was right next door to us. Tom Podorf. Uh -huh. okay. He was uh, he was a deacon at the time down at Columbia, uh -huh. and. Uh, uh, we uh, we met in his house and we had a devotion and we had the Lord's Supper. Uh -huh. That was the main thing for our meeting. So after we met in there, we uh, the idea came to us that we thought that we're driving 13 miles down to Columbia and there needs to be a church in this area. We were all young families. We weren't. It wasn't a lot of older families. This these were just. Uh, young families in their, I guess, early 20s, really. Yeah. Uh, but it was a struggle, very very hard. Uh, I think that uh, God's plan's always uh, not easy. It's always a struggle for man to, to do what God wants him to do. Um, we went on, and uh, finally we found a piece of property uh, that God opened the door. We started the church, and, and we built the building. Uh, we put up our houses for collateral so we could buy the, buy the, the property, and then the building came about. Uh, it, just, it just seemed like we had about, actually, uh, we had about 60, 60 or 70 people, actually, at that time when we started building the building. It's a step forward that you're saying that, hey, we want the church here. We want, we want to love people, and we want people to know Jesus Christ. I believe our whole goal in life is people to know Jesus Christ in our life. That's the number one thing. No matter what, we, we got to take ourselves out of it and put other people in it. He's just using us. We're just a tool. We aren't, uh, uh, we're going through the motions, but God is providing the way. He's just making it, uh, as I look back on it now, it's a puzzle. Mm -hmm. But God just put the pieces together. So it was, and it was so easy. I mean, at the time, it was a real struggle, uh, building the building and, uh, you know, providing all the things that, that we had. And uh, we were excited about it, of course, but in our life going through that, it was so exciting. And, uh, 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 you know, the, it seemed like everybody uh, was working together. And I always say in God's plan, there's three things. There is, uh, you know, love Jesus, be faithful, and love each other. So you can uh, give Shirley a hug on one Sunday. She's usually greeting at that door over there. Uh, Charlie's gone home, and he's waiting for us, and he won a full account 
full account of the goings-on at the Mount Carmel Christian Church. He would be thrilled to see us now. He would be thrilled to see us now. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I don't think I can say it any better than how Charlie put that. Our purpose in the world is to tell the world about Jesus. To show love by sharing with them Jesus. Why? Because we believe. Because we believe that Jesus is the light of the world. Because we're taken by the conviction that God has made a way right for us, a way for us to be right with him through faith in Jesus. And he is present with us in his spirit. And we are therefore moved to do things with our life that becomes part of a story that's far greater than us if we live by faith. We believe that whoever follows Jesus will never walk in darkness, but will live by the light of life, eternal life. This is the foundational vision of Mount Carmel Christian Church, and it still is on fire now. These are our roots. This is what moved these young couples in their 20s with young children to great courage of faith and sacrifice. Charlie said, the plan to follow the plan is simple. Love Jesus. Be faithful. Love each other. Love Jesus. Be faithful. Love each other. Because Jesus is the light of the world. And whoever follows him will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. I, I don't know about you, but as I go through this... It just pumps me up. It gets the hairs on the back of my neck to stand up. It's so inspiring to me to be reminded of these roots, to understand that we are the recipients of this heritage, that we're living out another chapter in the story that we have the honor to carry the torch of faith and faithfulness forward in our unique setting, with our unique giftings, with our unique callings from God's Spirit. And it's all foundational on the answer to the question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? See, to the ordinary folks who started this church, Jesus was the light of the world, and they were called to shine his light to their community, to shine the light through love, to shine the light through courageous faith, to shine the light through creativity and innovation, to shine the light. I've got to just say something about Charlie. When we started uh, contemporary worship, he didn't like the music. You ever kind of connect with that? 
He didn't like the music. And he wasn't afraid to let me know that. It wasn't Larry Liss know that. But you know what he said? This is not the kind of music I like. But you know what I like? You know what I want? I like those young people sitting in the aisle. I like those young families sitting out there in the congregation. That's what it's about. It's about the young people, he said. It's about them knowing Jesus. Why? Because I think he remembered his roots. Because the church was started with a vision of 20-something-year-olds reaching children, reaching families, making a difference in the community. And those who were veterans of the faith, understanding that that was their calling. And in not, not seeing it, I'm not getting what I want, but instead giving what I have so that they might know Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. And there are no grandchildren in heaven, only children. And each one of us is responsible to ensuring that we love Jesus with all our heart, that we're faithful and we take love to others through sacrifice and faith to shine the light. Do you believe? I believe, and I'm honored to do my part. To do my part, because every one of us has a part. Every one of us here has a part to love Jesus, to be faithful, to love each other. Do you believe? As we reflected on the, the past, I want to give you a little insight into the future. Mount Carmel people will be taking a courageous act of faith by traveling to Houston in a couple of weeks. 90-odd Mount Carmel people traveling to Houston, flying or driving 17-odd hours to work. Why? Because they believe Jesus is the light of the world, and they're going to serve in that community so that we might share God's love there. At the end of the month, we're going to have vacation Bible school, opportunity for us to make a connection to our community. Do you believe that Jesus is the light of the world? Well, there's an opportunity for you to act on that belief. In September, we got to the point where we realized we're going to have to add a service. It's kind of tight over there on the children's side. I don't know if you've noticed that. And so in order to facilitate that, we're going to add a third service. But in order to have a third service, we're going to have to have folks from in this room say yes to the calling to do their part in ministry sacrificially as is our DNA to bring about opportunities. Why? Because we believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. We believe that Jesus is the light of the world and whoever follows Jesus will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And we're all called to do our part because we believe. Do you believe? Will you answer the call? to be a part of the Mount Carmel Christian Church that was once the Clough Heights Church of Christ, Mount Carmel Church of Christ, and then now the Mount Carmel Christian Church. Different names, same DNA, same heritage. Do you believe? Well, so we stand and we're going to pray a prayer of blessing. Members of our prayer team, elders, guys that are here will be coming forward and they will be available to pray with you in person if you so need that. If you have a decision to make because you want to become a Jesus follower, we'll be baptized. Waters are ready. 
Jesus is the light of the world. Whoever follows him, whoever believes in him, will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I believe it. If you believe it and have not made that commitment, come down. Tell one of these guys. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing. And then after that, we'll be dismissed to go about our Sunday. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity we have to be here to proclaim our faith in you, in Jesus. Those that are believers, I pray that uh, they might be able to hear clearly your voice of calling, to understand that this is a journey of faith, and that journey of faith may, <laughs> well, it may bring you to places that you never imagined. I don't ever think those six families ever thought that the church they began would end up here in this place. They, they had a sense they had a sense that you were calling them to, to be kingdom-minded. But in terms of the specifics, I don't think they had an idea. But boy, their faithfulness we are blessed from. And your goodness through them, your work through them has truly uh, borne fruit. And we are the recipients of that. We stand on their shoulders. And so I pray that you would be with us as we who are called to be part of this. In this time and in this chapter will seek to be encouraged by their courageous faith, by the, the maxim of just loving Jesus, being faithful to Jesus, and loving each other. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless. Great to have you here today. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.